I have entitled the message today, Let Go and Let God. Let go and let God. There's a song that those of us that have been around a little longer than others will remember. I'll start reading the words. It's very brief. But if you uh, know what I'm fixing to read, just get in on it with me, okay? Are you ready? Let go and let God have his wonderful way. Let go and let God have his way. Your troubles will vanish and your night will turn to day. Let go and let God have his wonderful, marvelous way, his way. His way are higher than our ways. You agree with that? Does anybody here know what's going on today? I'll trade places with you if you'll be willing to see what God's up to and get in on it. Do you know what God's doing today? Has it ever dawned on you that the Lord has not lost control? Listen to what the book of Philippians tells us. It's in the fourth chapter. And, you know, Paul was the kind of a guy that went through a lot of storms. He was a guy that sort of got up in the morning and didn't know what kind of battle he was going to fight before the day was over after he became a Christian and a follower of Jesus. But here's what he wrote to a church just like our church. It was called the Church of Philippi. And here's what he wrote in the fourth chapter. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You will think right, you will feel right, and you will do right. When our church had its first meeting 52 years ago, almost now, 51 and a half years, it'll be 52 June the 1st. And the first meeting that those 16 people had, we never realized that 51 years later, we have averaged seeing more than eight people every Sunday come to know the Lord. Now think about this, 16 people and now we're seeing eight or more people every Sunday coming to know the Lord. Don't you wish we'd have started with 2,000 people? <laughs> Can you imagine how many people would get saved? Well, this is the first day of the rest of our lives, okay? So why don't we just start today and say, let's let the redeemed of the Lord say so, and let's go, and let's let God have his marvelous way. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, the Lord says. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Did you ever catch yourself not thinking just like God thinks? Did, did you ever find yourself moving out there somewhere and, uh, well, in my opinion, I, you know what, when you start a sentence with that, you need to stop a minute and say, is this my opinion or is this God speaking through me? Did God tell me to think this way and share this with all my friends or am I just kind of spouting off like we can all do from time to time? Our nation will long remember 
2017 for several reasons. I don't know that there'll be anybody named Harvey or Irma this year and have to carry that the rest of their life and thinking about what has happened. But the days have not been easy. As we have said time after time, the fires are burning in the Northwest. The heat is tremendous on the West Coast. And there's calamity coming all over the world. And it's time to be still and know that he is God. It is time for those that say they know God to act like it, to think like it, to talk like it, to serve like it. That we believe that Jesus is risen from the grave and he's coming back to this earth again one day and we don't know when that's going to be. I promise you this. He won't come in as a category one or two or three. He will not gather from the west coast of Africa and be tracked by science as to where is he going to go. All we know is he's going to descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then those of us that are alive and remain are going to be what? Called up to meet the Lord in the air. I call that a category 100 or better. But that kind of goes at the top of the charts, don't you think? How many times have you heard these words in the last two or three weeks? We lost everything. I just lost everything. Could I ask you a question? Have you lost God? Oh, well, no. Well, then you haven't lost everything. But maybe I ought to ask it like this. Do you know God? If God is alive and lives in your heart, the question is, have you lost him? Well, you say, well, of course not, Pastor. And you'd be exactly right. Now, if we have not lost God, and all power is given to him in heaven and earth, and all this in the heavens and all this in the earth belongs to him, and we are the heirs according to his promise. I'm just uh, taking Scripture and paraphrasing them, but I can show that to you in the Scripture if you have the time. But with all of that, have you lost everything? Not if you know God. And you know what? If we have God, we have everything we need. And so as we think about the tragic stories, the most heartbreaking to me was the pastor and his wife and all three of his children that drowned in the storm because they could not in their house get out. Now that whole family, the pastor, his wife, and his three children are with the Lord today. They didn't die. They just moved. They left this world, died to this world, and now they're with the Lord. You know, here, if you don't know the Lord, you die twice. You die an earthly death, and then you die an eternal death. If you know the Lord, you only die once. You die a physical death, but you live forever and forever and forever. So as I ask you, have you lost your God? Let me put it in another way. Do you have a God that is alive and living in your heart and in your life right now, today. Do you have that? Is the resurrected living Lord in the person of the Holy Spirit living in your life right now so that you can go out of this building today and say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. 
As a father, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And our God is alive. He is risen like he said. You know, the Bible says in one place, with food and raiment, with food and clothes, what does it say? Be content. Those are the temporary things that the body needs, the physical body. We need clothing. We need food. But then after that, it kind of becomes luxuries in a way. It kind of becomes stuff. If you can say today, yes, you ask me how I know he lives, what would be the next line? He lives where? Within my heart. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 through 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, therewith let us be content. But you can only be content with Jesus. You can't be content worshiping a dead God. You have to understand that we're his adopted kids. He can lift us to the higher grounds. We are zero better than anybody else. But if we know the Lord, we're forgiven. And, and if you don't know the Lord, you can know the Lord, and it is absolutely free, paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If your answer is, yes, I know God, you haven't lost everything. But if your answer is no, if you were to say to me, if you and I were to talk quietly and privately and confidentially, you might say something like this, and I've had it said to me so many times, Pastor, I'll be honest, I don't really have a personal relationship with God. Maybe you'd say it for the first time right now after going through the storm. I've panicked. I've screamed. I've cursed God. I've damned God. I've used his name in vain. And you're revealing to yourself that, why was I so upset? I didn't lose any member of my family. I didn't lose my life. I didn't lose my God. I didn't lose my church. But yet I'm telling everybody I lost everything. What would happen if we could get focused and let the things that are temporal go and the things that are eternal be the center of our life for as long as we live. What a difference that would make. The people you bring to Jesus, you can take with you when you go to heaven. But the stuff you buy on your credit card, you're going to leave behind. And so as we go through this hour by hour and day by day, and we're going to show you some pictures, and we're going to be sharing with our church, we've got some major decisions to, uh, to uh, make. I think our church family knows that the uh, Lutheran South Academy is meeting here. They'll be here tomorrow, 800 students, 120 teachers. And this building belongs to God, and they have full use of it tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And they are so grateful, and they're so thankful. And you know what they said, if you haven't heard this? The whole administration got together, the leadership, and asked, asked the Lord for 30 miracles because they needed 30 buildings to house that school with their 30 classes. And 10 minutes later, they got a call, and all 30 of their requests were answered 
when Sagemont said, come, this is God's house too. All in one, one call, and the chairman of the board stood here Wednesday night and thanked the church and praised God for hearing and answering prayer. You know, the way God answers prayer is through his people. Did you know that? It's through his people. When we look at the scripture and we see people falling apart, I am reminded, and I hope you are reminded, to hold on to our commitment to Jesus. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He is going to live through us and in us in this life as long as he wants us here. And when he's ready to call us home, to put whatever crowns we might be wearing at his feet and praise him, so be it. Because whether absent or present, we're his. And let us never forget it. So if we're going to calm down and not be like everybody else running around telling everybody how great our loss was, let me just give you just a few quick words that might help you. Maybe you can remember these. These are short words, okay? That's so I can remember them, not for you, okay? <laughs> Number one, let go of your fear. Let go of it. But I'm just so worried about, forget it. Yeah, but you don't understand. No, I don't understand, so don't tell me. <laughs> tell him. And he'll tell us. But let go of your fear. Fear not, for I am with you. How many times have you read that in the Bible? Well, that wasn't written in sunny days. That wasn't written after the last raise and the first child was born. Those words always came when God's people were about to jump off for the rest of the people. So let go of your fear. Philippians 4:19. Thousands of times it's been quoted from this pulpit and others. But my God shall what? Supply all of your needs according to. So I don't need to go to my billfold, do I? I don't have to go to my financial advisor. I need to be still and know that he's God. Fear not. I'm with you. I will not forsake you, and I will walk with you. Fear causes us to cling to things that won't help us, but they'll hurt us. When you get afraid, that's when you make that bad mistakes. You get in a burning house, get afraid, and run into the wall when the open door was right over here. But you're scared. You're worried. Let me give you a second thing. Fear leads to worry. So before I get ahead of myself, let me read to you Philippians 4, 6. Same chapter, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. It's all right to thank God for all that stuff that's out in your yard right now. And now you're praying that somebody come pick it up. See, God's got a sense of humor. But what he knows is that he's got it all planned out. And he just can't wait for the next good thing to happen to you. And what I'm hoping that you'll understand that every good and every perfect gift comes down from where? The Father. So when it comes down from the Father, what are you going to do? 
tell all my friends? No. You're going to find a quiet place and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for providing my need. You are an awesome God. You know what? When you tell him what you need, and then you thank him when he provides your need, comfort's going to come. When you make your request known to God and he fulfills his word and he honors that request, there's going to be a peace come upon you. And for many of you, you haven't had it in years. Somewhere along the way, you got off of the track of following Jesus and you got on the bandwagon following the world and the wheels have come off. It's wore out. The world changes all the time. But you know what? We need to quit watching the news and start making the news. And the news ought to be Jesus is alive. The news ought to be Jesus loves sinners. The good news is whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. The good news is no good thing will I withhold you and I will provide your every need. That's good news. We ought to live like it and act like it and see what God decides to do. I heard one guy say one time, I've got so much to do, I've got to find a place to take a nap. <laughs> and that's the way we are. We're so worried. We lay in our easy chair and pray for God to give us good health, but we don't want to go outside and work in the yard because we might get tired. <laughs> and at our age, no telling what can happen when you get tired. <laughs> now, that's what you think when you're 39. Now, when you're really old, it begins to get worse than that. So we're going to let go of fear. We're going to let go of worry. And then, oh, and by the way, <laughs> a lot of people don't get out on the limb, and, and the reason they don't get out on, on the limb is they never even climb the tree. You know, they don't even know. They're just staying down there at the roots. You know, I just want to be still and stay on solid ground. But you know that fear can also make you a controller. You don't ever become that. Too many people trying to live other people's lives. Too many people are trying to tell you what to do. And you haven't asked the one that created you what you're supposed to do. If God's going to fulfill your need and you don't know God, you are in trouble. But we micromanage. And instead of resting in Jesus, we want to make sure we dot every I and cross every T and take care of the details and and we don't even know what another day is going to bring. And yet we get caught up in that. And we forget that Philippians 4.19 that God has applied our needs. And you know what? When you start getting afraid, there's some other temptations come. One is it can create a lack of honesty. You start doing things that you wouldn't have done in the past. Your temptations to get back to where you were economically or or experientially and and you start thinking wrong and then you start doing wrong and you don't become open or candid because you don't want anybody to ever think that you've got a problem and so you just kind of close in and you begin to try to win an Oscar for best actor or best actress we think we need to protect ourselves we need to uh, 
worry about what other people think about us. I got to look strong in this. I got to make sure that my kids do not detect any weakness in their mother or their dad. You know where your kids admire you the most? It's when you're on your knees praying. When you're asking God, maybe have dinner instead of one person leading in prayer, why don't we all just thank God for a minute? That's what God wants us to do. So my question is, are you today what God wants you to be? I think my illustration I'm fixing to give you, I don't think it's unique just to me, but since I've done a lot of miles flying in my life, let me see if anybody here can identify with me. Have you ever been on an airplane waiting on the captain to start the engines? You've got your seat, and you didn't get there early, and you didn't get priority boarding, so now you know who's sitting on your right and who's on your left, and that's ruined your whole day. And then the captain comes on the speaker, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we apologize for the delay, but we have discovered a problem in one of our engines, and our maintenance man is trying to find the problem and correct it. You ever been there? If you haven't, let me tell you what first enters your mind. I may not have been the first one on this plane, but unless they move fast, I'll be the first ones off of this plane, and they can do with my bags what they want to. You know what I'm talking about? Now then, if you stay, how was that flight? Well, I hope that mechanic didn't have a drinking spree. What day is this? Saturday morning. Oh, my God. And he worked on my plane. Oh, when you fly a lot, you get a lot more faith than you do if you don't fly. Just trust me. It's just as bad on the freeways, but I don't have time for any more illustrations, all right? (laughs) But you know what I do when that happens? I have a routine. I put down everything and pray. And I pray for everybody, including me, and the pilot, and the mechanic, and the guy in the control tower. And on and on and on and on. Why? Because there is peace in the midst of a storm. There is situations that we can't get out and fix it. But we know a God that is the God of the heavens and the God of the earth. And he's a God of the seas. Here's some good scriptures you might want to memorize. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do unto me? Maybe John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let me give you four things real quick. Let go of your hurt. Let go of your hurt. Well, you say, I've just, I'm just hurt about this whole thing. I'm just, whatever your problem might be, it might not be the flood, but... But people are hurting in this building. Many of you that are watching are hurting. Those that are listening are hurting. We all have our times when we're down, but we have to let go of that hurt. We've got to pass through that valley. We've got to 
cross that river, even if the seas have to depart, we can walk to the dry ground. But we've got to let go of the hurt. When we are hurting, we think that we're hurting more than anyone. Years ago, I saw in Reader's Digest, there was a, a little cartoon, <laughs> which is kind of unusual for that magazine. But it was a husband on the couch, and he was bandaged from his head to his toe. His wife was in the kitchen opening the mail and paying the bills. And she slices her finger on the envelope. And she cries out as loud as she can, Ouch! There's nothing more painful than a paper cut. <laughs> Do you feel like that? What's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I understand. You remember that old country song, or I think it's country? I used to listen to all kinds of music, country and western, but uh, <laughs> nobody knows the trouble I've seen. See, you listen to it too. But it is so easy to get there. It is so easy. There's a lot of different kinds of hurt, more than the finger. Don't you get hurt sometimes when you get disappointed? What do you say? I'm just disappointed in you. What are you saying? You know, I just, I just, my feelings are kind of hurt the way you handled that. I'm just, I'm just a little bit disappointed. Maybe it's when you got hurt from, by somebody that you love. Maybe somebody you put up on a pedestal has fallen off of that pedestal. Maybe your hurt is unfairness. God, why did I flood and my neighbor didn't flood? Why? I don't understand that. And maybe your hurt just boils down again to anger. I am just mad. I've been disappointed. I've been disillusioned. I think it's unfair. And I have forgotten all of the wonderful years and days and weeks when God was blessing me. Storms can test us. We watch the storms come in. We hear the warnings. We know technology is greater than it ever has been. And yet, we hear of those who were told to leave. And they stayed. And they're staying cause their death. When the Bible says let go and let God have his way, that means he's going somewhere. And when you let go and let God have your way, you're going with him. And I will remind you that is an eternal journey. It's an eternal journey. It's okay to be angry. It's normal. It's absolutely normal. It's part of the hurting and the healing process. And it does not mean you don't love God. Don't misunderstand me. But what it does mean is you're holding on to something you need to let go of because it isn't going to help you. You're going to make a lot better decisions if you calm down, seek counsel, love God, and wait on him. How many times have I heard in the last two or three weeks, I wished I'd have bought flood insurance. 
We got flood insurance, even if you don't have it on paper. We've got flood insurance that when the floods come, God shows up. And I'm telling you, it's better than FEMA. It's better than State Farm, even. I know they're a good neighbor, but I know that God's an awesome God. And I'm not depending upon my good neighbors. Are you? Don't. Depend upon him. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. D.L. Moody was one of my favorite heroes growing up, and I read many things he wrote in his life story. Here's one of his greatest quotes. Character is who we are in the dark. When nobody's looking, that's what we are. When we can't see anything, but we say, I'm going to follow you, Lord, and wherever you lead, I'm going to go. And you know what? In the darkest hours of our life is when God is building our character. It's when God is building us to be a little stronger in this world so that we'll be prepared for the world to come and also that we will enjoy it even more. And our character is more important than getting or keeping what we want and what we have. Our character. Luke eleven eleven. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. We know the, the answer to that. But when God comes to you and to me, and he puts us in the darkness temporarily. Where are we going to look for the light? When the batteries go down and the candles burn out and the television doesn't work and the house goes dark, there can be peace in the midst of the storm. But you've got to know the light of the world. His name is Jesus. You've got to know the power doesn't come from the light company. All power is given to him in heaven and in earth. The food does not come from the charitable organizations. God made it all, and he'll get it to you. If he wants you to have it, he'll get it there. Anything that you need, he can provide. So as I close, my time is gone. Christians do experience disappointments, but we should never, never, never experience depression. Only temporary and bounce back and be still and know that he is God. So let go of your self-control. Let me give you these two. I don't have time to elaborate on them, but let go of your self-control. We all need Jesus in our life. And there's one other thing. I close with this. Let go of your guilt. Let go of your guilt. You say, I deserve this. I knew I wasn't doing right. I was robbing God of his tithe. I understand all that. Wait, 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 wait. Get rid of your guilt. That's not going to help you one iota. You may be as dark in sin as you can possibly be but one drop of the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin and you can be made new just like that 
but you've got to get away from the ways of the world and come to the ways of God. So we need to let go of the guilt of our past sins regardless of what they are. And every kind of sin imaginable is represented right now under the sound of my voice. And in this auditorium, Paul was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Abraham was a liar. Jacob was a conniving cheat. The woman caught in adultery. All of those stories, and we could go on and on and on and on and on. Now it's time to take it to the Lord and leave it there. It's time to be born again. It's time to start over again. It's time for you to understand this is the first day of the rest of your life. And Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the what? Spirit. There's the answer. There it is. Can I put it on my Visa card? No. Well, good, because it's maxed out. Will he take a debit card? No. No, he will not. Well, what do I do? You be still and know he's, that he is God, and you confess the fact I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross. Father, let's start. Father, I believe you sent your only son to this earth. He lived a life without sin. And then on that Friday, he went to a cross, and he died and shed his blood for my sin. But that was Friday. Sunday morning, three days later, he rose from that grave. And he's alive. And 40 days after that, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's now sitting by the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. He's carrying to the Father everything you're experiencing right now in your life. He's taking it to the Father. And the Father's going to take care of it. But we need to be thankful children. If you're not a child of God, you can be. Well, you, you know, I'd have got that flood insurance if I'd known it's going to flood. Let go and let God set you free. And when the storms come, you'll be ready. If you run out of batteries, don't worry about it. His grace is sufficient.